Oh, they definitely can. Um, but okay. yeah. Anyway, right. uh, on your time, Brian. I'm ready when you guys are. are you dropping okay. rocks. Oh. What is this? The starburst. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck? <laughs> I who can't the even. Fuck over the age of I was eight about to say years that. old eats fucking Starburst. I was about Starburst. to say that. Thank you. The fuck is it's wrong with Starburst? fucking corn syrup with artificial flavor. It pa- packed in a square shaped <laughs> shit and wrapped. Who the fuck past the age of eight eats those things? I do. <laughs> I, the only ones that I, the I thought ones, I will. The, the I will say that's really very good. impressive, Mike. I thought you were frozen, holding that face. <laughs> no, I'm just like. Oh, no, no, no. When he's getting, when he's getting bitched at, he's just like, "Why are you yelling at me?" But yeah. it's for a valid reason, though. It's, I mean, come on. Let's be, let's be fucking. In, in real. his defense, yeah. it was the <laughs> pink one, and those are okay to eat. So, no, yeah. the the red ones are the best ones. Oh my uh, Jesus! The pink ones are the best. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck all of you right now. Yeah, well, we'll ship all the red ones to you in the Midwest, and they'll take all the pink ones over here. The red ones, yes, that's acceptable. But still, who the <laughs> fuck eats Starburst? I do. That's the age of well, eight. here's the real question: Where, Did you buy them, or were they given? No, to Jamie you? Uh, had, had them. The, okay, so I think that's okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah. I think that's well, you know that's the gray area. You can she, take she, them, but you can't buy them if you're over the yeah. age. Before I, when I was setting up in here, she brought me a glass of water and a handful of Starburst. So I was like, thank you. Jesus. Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, Certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We go behind barbed wire this week with Billy Wilder's 1953 POW saga, Stalag 17. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hey, hey. Mike B. You can't take my intro. Hi. Hey, hey. hey. I say hey, hey, you don't. And Nate. Addies. (laughs) Addies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So. So, guys, what do you think? Well, you want to do uh, the game first? What? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Take, hey, how about take thing, two, so. Brian? Always fucking it up. Take two. So, from the intro of like whatever, let's go. So, Michael. Yes. Your turn. Okay. You have something you want to tell everybody. I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, watching all these war movies and stuff like that. I mean, I, we've seen so many that, you know, it's, uh, you kind of start to get used to everything. And at the same time though, you start to hear stuff like war movies you never knew existed pop up. You're like, wow, that's crazy. So, um, between 1950 and 1980, there was a cavalcade of world war two movies. And I call this 30 year period of war movies, the nostalgic era, you know, which is, uh, Kind of like with the, the the war movies that like a lot of boomers really love. You know, it's fun. There's a lot of great war movies from that time. Um, you know, many filmmakers though they romanticized and mythologized the very not so distant events of World War II to make the to make some of it I guess easier to digest or easier to understand at the time. You know, it's all uh, time period type stuff. But you know, it resulted in hundreds and hundreds of World War II movies. Some that were based on actual events, but many that were absolute fiction. And sometimes when I hear about one of these movies before hitting up the Wikipedia page or IMDb, I have to ask myself, wait, is that real? So I just want to see like uh, 
how uh, ridiculous uh, some of these World War II movies can get. So I put together this little trivia game where, um, called Is That Real, where I list off uh, five war movies from the time. I give a little synopsis on each one, a little breakdown. However, one of them is fake. It's completely invented by me. And uh, I basically read them off to, to, the, uh, to the, the other three here. And then uh, they're going to listen to everything that I say and then write down which one they think is the made up one. And then they'll present their answer. And then uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see who gets it and who gets fooled. Cue it. <laughs> All right, here we go. And I'll, uh, I'll put the names up on the screen so you guys can see after I'm done reading these. Okay, movie number one, The Young Lions, 1958. This black and white epic focuses on three different soldiers that find themselves in the cauldron of World War II. Marlon Brando, with dyed blonde hair, plays Christian <laughs> Distel. <laughs> Stay with me, Nate. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Caught me off guard. <laughs> he plays Christian Distel, who is a tough German lieutenant who has come to despise Hitler while fighting his way through North Africa. Montgomery Cliff plays no uh, Noah Ackerman, which is funny because that's my last name. Noah Ackerman, a Jewish American grunt who finds him who, who has to fight to overcome the prejudices within his unit. The film was based on a novel by Irwin Shaw, who, upon seeing the movie, disliked it so much because it took out all of the anti-Semitism that he put in the book. Uh, so that's movie number one. Movie number two, Von Ryan's Express, 1965. Ever wanted to see 50-year-old Frank Sinatra play a cocky prisoner of war who hijacks a Nazi train? Well, that is Von Ryan's Express. Set during the uneasy Italian campaign, Frank Sinatra plays the titular Ryan, a no-nonsense colonel who is in charge of a gaggle of British and American POWs as they stage an elaborate escape plot by hijacking a German train and fleeing to Switzerland. Uh, Sinatra's character earns the nickname Von Ryan for his, for his uh, reluctant hero status, but of course, in the end, he wins the day with his MP40 and earns the admiration of his uh, POWs. Movie number three. Force 10 from Navarone, 1978. With the success of the Gregory Peck war epic The Guns of Navarone in 1961, a sequel was bound to happen 17 years down the road. This long-awaited sequel continues the saga of Captain Mallory, now played by Robert Shaw, as he teams up with an American sabotage unit to blow up a bridge in German-occupied Yugoslavia. The cast is made up of many 1970s icons, uh, such as Harrison Ford, fresh off of Star Wars, uh, who plays Colonel Barnsby, which is the smug American leader of the sabotage operation. Richard Keel, the big-ass guy from every 70s war movie, or 70s movie, that is, shows up as a psychotic leader of the Chetniks. All the staples of World War II commando movies, you know, the botched parachute drop in the first act, uh, getting captured over and over again, the prissy Brit who annoys the American, the hot partisan chick wielding an SMG, the German spy amongst the group, ridiculous explosive devices, and, of course, going undercover in German uniforms. Movie number four, The Gateway, 1959. Shot in Yugoslavia, but set in Italy, The Gateway is one of three war movies that focuses on the Battle of Monte Cassino. Peter Graves, just, off of Mission or just before Mission Impossible, that is, uh, plays the reluctant American hero uh, Lieutenant Gearing, who, along with his squad, has been isolated on the cusp of Monte Cassino. It is up to Greering and his boys to infiltrate the ancient abbey and eliminate the green devils within it. Uh, Greering is despised by his squad for his uh, cushy upbringing and academic background, but uh, they eventually, you know, come to come to love him because a professor can also be a badass, as these movies, you know, definitely show. 
like most war films of the time, American M48 tanks are used to fill in for panzers, although the film is notable for being the very first war movie to feature an FG-42. Okay, and now the final one, movie number five, uh, Beach Red, 1967. The plot of this movie is beyond simple. A group of U.S. Marines invade an undisclosed Japanese-held island in the South Pacific. However, Beach Red is definitely one of the more surreal war movies of its time. Despite being a World War II film, the flashback scenes show everyone in anachronistic 1960s fashion, such as characters' girlfriends wearing miniskirts and having flip hairdos. Uh, and during the actual war scenes, we see like local farmers caught in the crossfire, and there is even a big battle in a rice paddy field. Much like MASH used the Korean War as an allegory for Vietnam, Beach Red is clearly doing the same thing with World War II. Its heavy anti-war message is admirable, even if it uses obvious tropes and bright red paint for blood to convey it. So those are the, those are the five movies. So now you all have to decide, after all those descriptions, uh, which one is the fake amongst the group. Now, if you need me to go back and read any of them, I can do it. So I think I've got it. <laughs> uh, Nate? Oh, God. Uh, they're all terrible sounding. <laughs> um, uh, I guess just give some inner monologue of my own brain. The train, I feel like, is true because it sounds like something that I've heard before. The one that stuck out was the first one, which was the lion's, the lion's den. The young lions. The young lions. Yeah, whatever the hell that lion's got. <laughs> no, I can't remember. It's like four, four whole descriptions. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first one, I think, is the fake one. Not because your name is in it, but because it described that Marlo Brando's hair is now blonde. Which is what made me laugh. So, like, that, that, okay. that that's my rationality to it. But that that's my answer. I'm sure Brian, like, actually knows the rest of the three. And so he'll just, this is going to be so easy for him, but... He's the one I'm the most worried about. But uh, Mike, uh, what, which one do you think is the is the fake? I think the Young Lions is the fake because I've seen Von Ryan's Express, I've seen Forest oh, Temple wow. Navarone, and I've seen Beach Red. Okay. So it's yes. between the Gateway hmm. number four and Young Lions number one, and the Young Lions I've never seen or heard of that, so I'm going to say the Young Lions. Okay. Uh, what about you, Brian? This answer is brought to you by Insomnia. <laughs> Young Lions is a great movie. It's very long, but there's oh, a great so North Africa scene. Are you kidding scenes. me? Von Ryan's Express sucks, but we'll get to that. Yeah, in it episode. sucks. Yeah. Forest yeah. Ten from Navarone sucks. Love it. I've never I, seen I, I Beach Red. It. I want to see Beach Red, but The Gateway is definitely a fake film. Okay, so yeah, Brian called it The Gateway is I the main one. I knew Brian would know it. Yeah. That was my second choice. Insomnia. That Insomnia. was my second choice. Literally, like I got it written down here. It's my second choice. I was like, four, uh. Right. Okay, cool. But it sounds like the it gate. could be, right? Well, well when you're when you were saying it, I was like, fuck. I don't think I've seen that. But <laughs> is it the real one? So yeah. But when you said you said this is the last one be tread, I'm like, okay, I know and I'm ninety-nine percent sure. Right. So, well, okay. okay. So, Brian, maybe maybe we're not that far off because I have seen number two, number three, and number five. Yeah. So that's that's not good. I've never oh, seen a Michael, single one of those. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> oh, Forest Ten from Navarone. It's, the it's one of those really long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, Forest Ten from Navarone is a big like popcorn fest. It's so stupid, but it's wildly it, it's entertaining. It's fun though. Yeah. It's, it's wildly fun, entertaining. Yeah. The first one's great. The first one. Oh really yeah, good. the guns of Navarone. Oh my yeah. god, we yeah. watched that before Reveille, Actually, <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. We did. We were yeah. like taking guns apart, and we were like, "Fuck it." Yeah, because they're in Greece, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Okay, sleepy time." 
And then our Airbnb yeah. was covered in guns. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, fun. It was a nice. That was a nice place. I'm, I'm really glad like was, we got that. But like, uh, fucking yeah. So well, for feature installments in this, class. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to look for more obscure movies then for uh, for future. To, oh no, to... no no no! Just keep going. No. Keep going. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. Because so. uh, literally most of our listeners are gonna be like Von Ryan's Express, Frank Sinatra. No, he never did that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Four Step mm-hmm. from Navarone, Harrison Ford. No. <laughs> So I um, win this round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you do. You do. I, I, I'd I, say I get second. Oh. I'd say I get second. Yeah. Oh, I have Happy seen seconds. the Harrison Ford one. Yeah, four steps. Yeah, really that's really bad. You bleed Damn. red blood, Yarky. Yeah. You bleed red oh, blood. That's that's yeah. why that's why I think I blocked it out of my <laughs> my mind is because it was so bad. It's pretty bad. You unzip me. It's all coming oh, back. Yeah. It's really bad, but like it's it's entertaining. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. yeah. Like, yeah. It is, yeah. It's it's like it's like other well, I won't spoil your. They fucking like steal of, the bomber. <laughs> well, it's not a bomber. It's a fucking cargo plane. It's like a it's carrier. Like, uh, yeah. I thought it was a. It's like a, yeah. No, it's it, no. I think it was a, anyway. Um. Okay. So, cool. That was fun. Speaking of flying behind enemy lines. Yeah. No. For sure. Speaking of shit. <laughs> okay. All right. So, well, Mike's Mike's gonna so give what, it like what, a point zero 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 zero. Let, zero let, let's have zero Mike A go one. first. Let's okay. have Mike A go first, and then we'll go, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's get into it. Stalag Seventeen. I um, I knew diddly about this movie. I knew that it was about uh, POWs, and I knew it was before the Great Escape. But um, I'd always heard, like, you know, it was pretty famous. Like, it was kind of a notorious, like, you know, movie, uh, you know, World War II POW movie. I didn't know anything that was in it or anything. And uh, so I went in kind of blind and I was very shocked because this is more like Hogan's Heroes than, you know, like, uh, (laughs) than fucking like The Great Escape. It was was very uh, awkward for me and uh, to watch and... uh, I thought it was insanely annoying, um, the entire fucking thing. The movie should have been called The Annoying Americans um, because every fucking character in it was just, you know, I couldn't stand listening to them talk. Um, so, yeah, I didn't like it. I, uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, when it comes to, like, historical accuracy in terms of, like, POW camps, that's something I really don't know a whole lot about at all. Um, but just as a movie, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was uh, just... I didn't care for it. <laughs> Who's the talking pill going to? Oh, um, Brian, why don't I hear what you have to say? So this is a movie I've seen a lot, like growing up and whatever. And I, I didn't know, like, if I should rewatch it again, because I remember a lot of it. Um, rewatching it, I mean, it's not as good as I remember, but I still think that it's interesting for what it is, because it sets the stage for POW films. And... I think the reason that you have such the Hogan's Heroes estness of it is because Hogan's Heroes just basically ripped this movie to make into a TV show. Because this came out in 53, and I think Hogan's was like 61? Um, I think uh, 65. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I just watched The Offer, and like one of the guys that made The Godfather, he pitched the idea for Hogan's. But yeah, it was in that 60s period. But this like really sets the stage. There are a few other POW films. And just to touch on that while we're here, like there's tons of POW 1950s. 60s films oh, yeah. from, the, from the Western perspective. Even Manchurian Candidate, they touch on POWs and shit. Uh, there's a, another really good Korean War indoctrination POW film, and I can't remember the name at the moment, but the first real one that set it up is, I think, a film that you like, Michael, is uh, 
the Grand Illusion. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I got some mixed feelings on the Grand Illusion. I think it's interesting. Um, however, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with everything that it presents. You know, um, yep. and then we can talk about that another time. But uh, yeah, but that's like you know, these are basically the two that were you know that was the World War One POW film, and this was the first one to come out about the Second World War. So you know, as far as like historical accuracy and stuff, it's incredibly correct, and they go to so many lengths to make it incredibly correct. Like the radio and the guy's fucking like limb. You know, that I thought that was really cool. And this was a thing the Germans did do. They would put English speakers into POW camps to get information. 100% happened. So, like, as far as that's concerned, yes. The weapons and the helmets for the Germans is wrong. Whatever. You know, it's a 1950s American film. It's it's going to be wrong. They're going to have the wrong vehicles. It's the way it goes. Um, there's a lot of overacting to make everybody seem like Prussians or arrogant or this. But it's a very interesting film because, you know, it's about finding a rat. <laughs> you know, amongst your fellow countrymen. And that's just a very interesting premise, you know, especially behind enemy lines. So, Mike, what did you think? Um, Yeah, I thought the first, like, about hour of it was, like, what Mike A said. It's just annoying, and it's just, like, okay, it's kind of the semi-slapstick, like, 50s pseudo-comedy, you know what I mean? Like, it's, okay, we get it the overacting, the you're introducing all the characters and shit, but, and I was getting tired of it too. Like, to be honest with you, I was getting tired of it and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> and then <clears throat> when they start actually getting serious about like the rat and everything and people are dying and like, you know, they, they died earlier, but like, it's like, okay, well then it got better because there was less of that shit. And there was a lot more, um, you saw the characters and, and, who I thought was the rat was not was not the guy that they thought was the rat. It was a different guy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, we do a lot of spoilers on this on the on this podcast. I'm There's not a gonna warning, <laughs> right? But I'm not gonna spoil that. Who I thought was the rat because I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was. But when, too. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I think that was really good the way they did it because yeah, it's annoying and it's whatever to to an extent because again. I'll touch on that in a little bit, but like, okay, first opening statement is first half of the film. eh? but it's now that I, I've seen the whole thing. I think it's necessary, you know, because of like, it's, it's like, okay, you build up all these characters. You get to know these guys kind of the process of how it works in the camp, kind of how the hierarchy works, you know, working with the Germans, you know, Sergeant Schultz is, you know, obviously, obviously, yeah, Hogan's Heroes directly ripped this off, um, but they made it more of a satire. And, but it's like Schultz, you see him as like the guy you think of as Hogan's Heroes because we've seen that. And oh, oh, to preface this, I have not seen this film before. So I have not seen this film. I, I, I've known about it forever. I just have never watched it. So, but you see Sergeant Schultz, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, the stereotypical retard German, blah, blah, blah. But you realize, no, he's not. He's playing them. And you realize that at a certain point, you're like, oh, so it's still very serious. Like, this is a this is a game being played. And I like that. And then, um, yeah, like the, uh, just the kind of, the way that everybody's, everybody's acting because they're confined, right? And the most I've ever been confined is in basic training and AIT, right? It's no comparison to this whatever, at all. It's not. I'm just saying the most I've ever been confined is that. I've never been to jail or prison. I don't know how that works. 
And yeah, you start to act differently and people start to act differently when you're in that situation, you're confined. These guys had been there for two, some of them three years at this point. And so the way they're acting, I'm like, oh, it's more forgivable now because they've been away for so long in this shitty life in bloody blah, blah. And overall, I, I didn't like it at first. And then I was like, okay, I get it. And so it redeemed itself at the end. So Nathan, I mean, I, I, I personally liked it a lot in, in varying different ways. I mean, you know, I think Mike B pretty much nailed it on the head for me, which was, you know, the beginning, it's like, okay, I'm watching this C grade, uh, Abbott and Costello duo act, you know, just, you know, but 10 years after Abbott Costello was, uh, not a thing anymore. And it made me really think, well, prevalent, um, it made me really think that, you know, this movie is kind of made for a younger audience, you know, and, and that was kind of like what my, my, my thought process was, you know, the Germans are goofy and stupid, uh, you know, moronic The you know, the guard soldiers are, you know, trying to make it light. They're playing, you know, volleyball with chicken wire antenna, you know, like just things like that, where it just made me feel like, okay, maybe this is geared towards a younger audience, you know, TV, TV movie kind of feeling. And then it kind of went not darker just more mature and so then it made me think okay maybe that's just because it's it's of the era of that campy 50s movie thing where you know it was the start of uh excuse me uh a uh, start of a hogan's heroes like formula that you know that then was influenced for the rest next 10 to 15 years so it just it was it was hard to not be like okay like what is this but then at the same time you know you you take things from it. i think like every movie we take from this even if we well maybe not mike gay because he just hates it but you know may, maybe the fact that you know like we we go and we take points and we go okay this is good i like this i like this i'll pull this from this pull that from that like there were some really good camp life stuff and the thing is i i guarantee you that there were probably people in there or at least involved in production who were actually in camps like this most likely and so that is something that you know we we don't know the actors um you know backgrounds but most actors in hollywood had experienced world war ii in some capacity or another whether it was stateside or actually out and about and a lot a lot of veterans came back and acted you know especially in the later 40s and 50s and it's very interesting to see it would be very interesting to see to see like kind of like get notes or research, you know, do a deep dive on research of camp life in that sense, because I've never done that. So, so to kind of like jump into that, I'd be like, I felt like, I don't know. I looked at, I looked at the sets, I looked at the barracks, I looked at everything, and I never once was like, oh my god, like they they wouldn't have this or they wouldn't have that. Like everything seemed very feasible, and it was very very cool. Now, granted, I think they would have been a little bit more. No, you can't have this, and you definitely can't have that. A little bit more. Um, but you know, it was, it was very interesting other than the Abbott Costello routine that kept coming up and 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 up. And I like those actors cause they're in a bunch of other movies that I like. Um, that was getting pretty old. Um, um, okay, cool. Well, I mean, if I can backtrack a little bit, I mean like, yeah, this isn't my kind of movie, but like, I do admit that once things started to go more towards like the quote rat and all that stuff, that was more interesting to me. Uh, that sort of thing was, that was actually intriguing, but. Yeah, everything else, like the two guys like trying to go look at the 
the Russians in the shower and stuff like that. I was just like, or I, the, or I the can't Betty, stand Betty, this. Betty Grable's Betty obsession. Grable, yeah. How are you going to get me a date with Betty almost, Grable? Almost, yeah, almost like, like, you know. He works for LA Gas. We'll get her almost, address. Right, almost, like, almost like super like stocky serial killer obsession <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but here's the thing again it's like it's so 50, okay so. I'll, I'll ask I'll, I'll i'll ask each one of you guys mike a what's the longest time you've been away from females uh, completely away from females no i i get the i get the reason why no no, no but, just answer, you know. the question, answer the question <laughs> i get why he's feeling that way in the movie but uh, wow no I, i'm just saying answer the question answer the question what's the longest time you think you've ever talk been away? about the time he was at the waco compound for three years yeah <laughs> well no. but there was a lot of females there right um i don't know dude like maybe like a a, a week or so yeah uh nate like not seeing oh like any females ever like Yep. Uh, three months. Oof. Uh, Brian? Two weeks. Okay. So Nate's the closest to me because it's about three months, right? At that point, you're going fucking crazy. You're literally going fucking crazy. Although I agree, but it was 50s acting and I that's get it. that. Oh, that's the thing. It's like, it's... Yeah. It's like so it's annoying. The yeah. But the, the idea, I think, the idea of them just like going, I'll, I'll do literally anything just to get a glimpse of a real female. Like that to me was not out of the ordinary. The way it was presented. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You hey, can Kazakh. Say that that a bit. Hey, Kazakh. Right. Yeah. Like what, when, like, what like, the fuck are they doing with the, with the paint? What the hell was that all about? Like, well, they, they, it, it was one of those roads. tropes of like, you know, painting the road, like the, the line. And then, you know, the German being too dumb to realize what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, that, that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I'm getting like the telescope and like looking and like charging for that, mm-hmm. that's a hundred percent. Something I could see it's, happening. It's also yeah. interesting to say that in 1950s America, they were talking about Russian females as POWs. Yes. You know, it's yeah. just, that's kind of a strange, you know, that's definitely from a guy's experience or whatever. Yes. yes. That would not but be like, just like a random Hollywood. Yeah. Thing, yeah. You know, yep, yeah. That, yeah. The Cold War just kicked off. You're not going to be yep. talking about that shit unless um, somebody said, yeah, you got to put this in here. Yeah. And one thing I want to touch on before we go any further is like about yep. the camps and stuff. So, the Luftwaffe actually had its own special camps for airmen from yep. the Royal Air Force or the British or for the American Air Force, you know, for, for the Allied Air Forces. And um, they were treated better than the other POWs, um, like, you know, just regular soldiers. Um, so they were Stalags. They were all over Germany and stuff and uh, Poland. And they said this was, this camp was near the Danube. And um, but anyway, that was the system. So if you were shot down, you know, as like a crewman of a plane or something and you take be taken prisoner by the Luftwaffe and end up one of these better camps better food and everything but um, that was also based on your rank true yeah because he mentioned okay sergeants or ncos because all these guys were yeah of like you know middle rank and that's where they had to separate the officers you know and everything toward the end yep. Yep. but um what do you call it uh so yeah that's like the basic camp system so they were like you know air force camps run for you know air force crewmen but um what i thought was really cool they showed was that how valuable cigarettes are and that was even oh. true outside of pw camps because each week each one gi would get one rat or one carton of cigarettes as rations and if you didn't smoke that was a gold mine to make money mm-hmm. so like when you were in these camps and you got these you know cigarettes like that was money who gives a shit about paper money like cigarettes you can use yep. so i thought that was really cool you know 
how I, these that was the system. Another kind of interesting thing, though, um, you say like you know, uh, you know the for for like downed airmen stuff like that. There are also guys in here that are just regular army infantry too. They're not all yeah. like they're not they're not all air. Some guys are wearing M41s and, and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so no, there were crewmen that wear M41s. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah, but like, here's the thing: is the camp is run by army personnel, and whether that bears relevance or not, it doesn't matter. But like, um, Mm -hmm. I would think from the system the Germans use, I would think there'd be some just um, field guy, like not necessarily infantry, but like you know, supply guys or whatever. You tankers, you get cut off, and then you're captured. That might be uh, thrown into this. Son got captured in Tunisia. Uh, right, son or or the son-in-law or something, and he was in a camp See, uh, at the end of the war. But, some of the guys yeah, like was uh, that the Luftwaffe camps were all for only Air Force personnel. Correct, correct. Maybe this is yep. So this, you saw Wehrmacht in there, but uh, um, yeah, some of the guys like the guy who was really like against uh, our lead character, um, uh, the the guy with the dark hair and the beard, like he seemed way more like infantry to me than like a, a flyer or something like that. Or some kind of like combat MOS, gunner. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could be a waste gunner, but yeah, um, yeah. that that uh, yeah, I don't know enough about that to say whether that's accurate mm-hmm. or not. But like it it seems that way. But there were a lot of rough dudes that were like waste gunners on B seventeens and B twenty fours, you know, like that just didn't give a fuck. Or they and, got t- torn up like that one character. They kind of well, yeah, like, you know, yeah, PTSD yeah. Stuff, well, that's the thing is like that's not PTSD. That's just sure. your life is over. Your your Shock. brain is short circuiting. Yeah. And nobody knows how to how to how to help you. They're just okay. That's the way he is. But like, it's like the guys, uh, you know, that were trembling after all the shelling from the First World War. They're really yeah. It's cases. just your your brain is just short circuiting, and at that point, mm-hmm. they didn't know how to talk to him or whatever. And yeah, so that wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, and also a, a cool little detail that they they said, which is why I agree with you that like they had to have had somebody that was actually in a prison camp is when they said, all right, we got potato soup. And so I talked to a POW who was in the first ID. He had captured in, in um, uh, Sicily, okay, or Italy, very early Italy or Sicily. Uh, he had captured in 43 and spent the rest of his time in a POW camp. I met him several years ago, um, and he, he had a book that he wrote. And he said uh, <laughs> he, he kind of worded it like a weird, a weird thing in the, like the last part of the book of like, Guaranteed weight loss recipe. <laughs> and he says, P- potato soup, hmm. boil water, add salt, add one potato. <laughs> and he says, that was potato soup, what yes. we got in the prison, the Stalag mm-hmm. from 43 on. And he's like, we were so malnourished and so skinny that it was insane. Like we, we couldn't we couldn't function like we could barely function and it wasn't because the germans could they didn't want to feed us it's like they couldn't they barely had enough he said they could barely feed their own guy yeah yeah so he said he said he said all the guards were emaciated and just weak and whatever it's like so nobody because they didn't they didn't want to put any more than they had to towards these prison camps because it was like okay well we've got three fronts open at that point or two fronts and then in 44 it's like okay well now we have three fronts not good and so they actually mentioned that and they showed that in this film. Like, oh, the potato soup is over, which is literally just water with a little bit of salt and one potato. If you're lucky, you get a potato chunk. Well, the, the this this movie was uh, based on a play um, that was written by the two guys who wrote it were in POW camps in mm-hmm. the war. So it's based on a play that was written by guys that were actually there. 
Yeah, no, it, I think it definitely shows, you know, in the way they hide everything too. Mm. You know, it's yeah, the just, the uh, the the height, you know, the 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 double container water bucket, the you know things like that. It's like you know you gotta be creative, and um, it really does stand out. And I and that was something that just I because I, I I try to stay away from <laughs> escape movies and commando movies because I was all because so I was so saturated with them as a kid on on TV. You know, it's like I I just try to stay away. But like you know, I I. I, I, I thought they had a lot of good attention to detail and the way they filmed it and the way they did stuff was really, really good. And I liked the camera angles. I liked the pacing near the end where or, or on, yeah. on the turn, on the plot turn. There we go. That yeah. No, I, I'm with yeah. you there, dude. I'm yeah, with like, you there. Cause, cause yep. again, it felt like they had to like, I don't know. It just felt like it was like, let's do this. Trying to butter the audience yeah, up, like like make it, gets it real. make it funny, yeah. make it because maybe because maybe it's just us playing a war movie was just so overdone at that point. They got to make it more interesting for the audience to come and see. Again, it's like right. Well, you know, it's that time period. You know what's interesting is that so we did um, fix bayonets was fifty one. This is fifty three. Mm-hmm. So comparing both of them, you know, I mean, different wars and everything, but at the time they were seeing films like you know. Uh, fixed bayonets where it's like these yeah. B and C like kill them movies and, that, that know, was the one thing it's like well here's yeah. a campy like P.O.W. World War II drama look yeah and, and only, you know, and only this three is, people this is, died in the whole movie so. yeah and this is before you know To Hell and Back which would come out in what four or five years two, no two years 61 61 To Hell and Back no I thought you were talking about The Great Escape I'm Did not, somebody say The Great oh, Escape yeah you said To Hell and Back no I said To Hell and Back To Hell and Back To Hell and Back is 1955 yeah. Yep. Yeah. So two years after this, we you have to Helen back, which is sets the stage, you know, because right. then you have uh, Hells for Heroes with Steve McQueen, you know, a little bit after that and everything. Yep. You know, so that like we're in that like small period after the war before they started colorizing and really like you know, getting yeah. the story. So I think this was just like, you know, a campy transition from a fixed bayonets kind of story to the Helen back. So. I right, yeah, to Helmet. I, yeah, I, I literally thought. I literally thought for whatever reason you said Hell's for Heroes, and I'm like, "Do you mean oh, the Great no. Escape?" Because Stephen uh, Queen, like you know, it, yeah. I do that parallel. Well, and again, your brain short circuits once in a while. The, the only <laughs> other '50s film I could think of right now, well, well, uh, well, it's black and white. That's about POWs during the war. Is one that got the one that got away, and it's about a German flyer that escaped from Canada and got back to Germany in '41, and that came out oh '57 like or '58 pretty good movie um but that's kind of also like campy but also very serious i mean i you can easily compare this to the great escape and say wow this you know well not that the greatest Um, go ahead yeah well i'm just saying that you know it's just like that one's a little bit more toward this but again comparing you know again to the great escape to this because they're within 10 years of each other yeah the great escape um has light-hearted moments um and it has you know moments of levity um I just think it it is it's way more balanced in, when it comes to that. Um, just in you know my own personal taste when it comes to this, it's just not my thing. If it was more like King Rat, I think I would like it a lot more. I think the premise is cool and stuff like that. I just can't get over all of that annoying shit, you know. Um, yeah, the, the overemphasis. <laughs> stuff. I, I, by by, yeah, by yeah, you saying um, annoying shit, are you talking like? Are you talking about like the two guys who are doing like the Abacus style comedy, or are you yes. talking about, and, and yes. solely them, or are you talking about like everything else? Um, 
mostly them, but also like I don't know. I think the, the Germans are a little too cartoony in this. Right. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, some of them. Yep. yep yeah, sure. and they're they're like fat and everything. It's just like you know, um, well, real line. Yeah, but uh, but it's it's mis- it's mostly those two guys and like, uh, but uh, I don't know, like st- I wish it focused more. Yeah, on the main ga- guy, like and him realizing what's going on with the. Uh, with the Peter Graves character, you know, with the, uh, the, the, the spy, you know, um, when that oh, stuff starts, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, mean, no, but, I, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just making fun of that, but like, okay. Ahead. But, uh, when it comes to that stuff, I think it's more interesting. Um, and, uh, I also like that they don't like escape at the end. Uh, only that one guy does with that Lieutenant. I kind of like that element of it, but, well, uh, well, no, but we don't, we don't know that to be fair. Like, we don't know. What right, happens. that's true. Yeah, but they 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 do execute the plan. But um, uh, yeah. Other than that, though, yeah, the rest of it, I was just like, I was just getting so exhausted with it. And um, like I say, it's just personally, it's just not my kind of style, you know, for this this sort of subject matter. In the Great Escape is great. The book is a billion times better if you can read it. Holy shit, they leave out Jesus so much. Christ, it's so good. Oh my god. But do, well, do, do you know how serious. fucking much I hate that fucking phrase? I Ooh, the book is so much better. Like, of course it's going to be better. You have your imagination. You create the fucking story. Okay. I'm, hey, I'm sorry. I, just... I understand, but like <laughs> the real stories behind these guys is like, it really blew me away. Because I was expecting like a good story, but like yeah. with the book, The Pacific, that was like way better than the actual series. The series is good, but they leave out a lot of really cool guys and stories. Of course they do. Yeah. Um, they I, I could, yeah. I could give you some examples where the movie is better than the book. There are some of those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's 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 save that for a standalone, perhaps on the (laughs) Patreon someday. Yeah. But I I, I fucking hate that statement, Brian. And it's nothing personal, but it's like every time I fucking hear that, oh, the book is better than the movie. Of course it is. Of course. Um, It's your own creative liberty. It's not somebody else's. I was really blown away by the facts that I learned from the book about the escape versus the film watching it. Like just sure. And and the the director of the film actually, you know, we're going to do the great escape. One of these days, Mm -hmm. we're going to do that. We could could straddle the line though, because we are a POW film. So yeah, we we, we could, we, but, but like what I'm saying is like, we have to do that because that, okay. So that director did so much fucking research. The writer and director did so much fucking research and they never let anyone deviate from the lines that were written because of all the research they did, blah, blah, blah. So I think that would be a good one for me to refresh my memory on that because literally one of my favorite films of all time is that, war films, rather, uh, is that. And that's only um, eight years after this. You know, yeah. so yeah, we, we should do that someday. And, like, I don't, I'm not going to compare Stalag 17 with Great Escape because of that time difference and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But... Yes, what you're saying is the book is better than the movie because you learned so many more facts. Yes, you could, as we know, you could only convey so many things on screen. Right. Um, and that's why when you say the book is better than the movie, of course it's it's yeah. nine times out of ten, nine point nine times out of ten, it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, so I've rant never over. Yeah, I've never read the book, The Great Escape. One thing I do aspect I do know about it though is that uh when the escape happened, it was like in the dead of winter and it was like snow and everything like that. They had to like chip through ice to get when they were digging the tunnel and stuff. So 
That was one thing that would have been really interesting. Yeah, it was uh, 44. It was like March of 44 at when yeah. I think the escape was. And it was in... Uh, and yeah, they were digging it from winter of 43. And it was in uh, what is today uh, Poland. So like the, Poland, movie, yep. the yeah. movie makes it look like Bavaria and, you know, and everything like that. But uh, Yeah, with all the, the trees and everything. Right, in reality it would have been like very dank looking. Um, yeah, well like in this film they sit there on the Danube. So they kept all these guys really far east. And what was... I was thinking when we were watching right. it, or when I was watching it was like, in two months from when this takes place, these guys were put on a fucking march. Most of them marching west, and some of them ended up like being overran. You, by the you're getting your, you're getting your uh, the Danube is um, west in Germany because it's it's Frankfurt and all. Well, there's stuff. more than one Danube, <laughs> but okay. I think they said the West Danube <laughs> or something. But Europeans are strange too because the way that they say like the the left or right side of a riverbank, it's different. It's for the way it flows. <laughs> so like left right. versus the, a map so but <laughs> but yeah a lot of these camps were in the east sorry sorry okay. Mike B, your okays just make me laugh so hard. it's just it's so dismissive okay <laughs> it's like, no i'm just like i'm just like okay like it's all right you uh, got, okay because like, some you know more sometimes than you, like, yeah. you go okay like and your fucking point is <laughs> like, <don't. laughs> all right well now it's just it's just okay I'm probably wrong. Gotcha. Let's just gotcha. move on. It makes me laugh though. Yeah. So we yeah. probably do yep. uh INDMFB just because um I INDFBA. Yeah, talk about Hearts War Two and stuff, because that's well no shit. here's the thing is like, okay, let's just really quickly go through the German uniforms, the American uniforms, blah blah blah. Okay. Cause all of us have something that we noticed about everything. We could do yeah. that. Yep. Right. So I'll go first. Let's talk about the, the mighty eighth too. The what? So that talk the talk about the Mighty Eighth, which is coming out, which is the new big series, and half of it is filmed in a POW camp like this. So because <laughs> a lot of those guys got shot the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of those guys got shot the fuck down. Yeah. Most of them didn't survive, and the ones There's that a place did, called yeah. Ploesti. Yeah. Schweinfurt. But um, okay, yeah. so we'll start out with just like basic shit that they they should have probably known. But again, you're talking to veterans and you know, people that were doing the costumes and shit, they probably didn't. They probably weren't there. They have the word, right? Feldwebel, right? Sergeant, you know, like, but that would be a different rank than Unteroffizier that Schultz was wearing, right? Yeah. He was wearing Unteroffizier rank. And that's fine. Like, and also he went to been as a sergeant, even as a, like a, a what the hell was, is the equivalent? Like sergeant first class for Feldwebel. He probably wouldn't be carrying a fucking swagger stick, Right. Yeah, he probably it, would it, not it be just reeked yeah. of, of of Hogan's Heroes. I mean, it was just yeah, like, it's a cartoon. Yeah. yeah, like and I know and I know yeah, Hogan, Hogan's Heroes came so much. No, later. I know, yeah. but it's just so funny. Hogan. It's like it's like it's like it most definitely took influence of it and or or and or and or just really played with the historical details to the nth degree. And so, <laughs> what's what's going what's on up? there, Mike? I just Brian Brian's impression was so spot on, and I failed to fucking. Oh, I didn't it. see it. What do you say? Hagen's Heroes. Hagen's Heroes. Yeah. yeah. Got hey. the Maryland accent going, brother. Yeah. <laughs> what? Did I say it uh, weird? Yeah, you said Hagen's Heroes. Hagen's Heroes. It's Hogan's. <laughs> what? Jesus Hogan's Christ. Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. What's wrong? Hagen. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I even say Hogan's Heroes. I don't go, yeah, Hogan's, Hagen's Heroes. Hogan's, you know, Hogan's, Hero. it's, Hogan's Heroes. It's Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. Hogan. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Hogan. 
Fine. Hagen? Is that what Hagen's you want? Hagen heroes? heroes? Yeah. Hogan. Different letter, say, bud. Different letter. That public Nate, education talk, system. Say yeah. Hogan's heroes in the middle of your sentence and you're not trying to suppress your accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It, it, I know. I know. Hey, I know what it is because it's 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 horn and ocean and yeah. It, yeah, I know. I know. Hey, when I'm when I'm ocean, tired, it comes out. Bro, yeah. bro. It sounds like surfer, bro, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. No, it's not, bro. It's bro. Like you're Australian. <laughs> you add an e on the shit. That's unnecessary. Hogan hero it's like a drunken <laughs> fucking brit yeah, yeah it's yeah. not good but anyway okay. um, um so yeah so like yeah so Sorry, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out <laughs> jesus christ yeah i know yeah. i killed no, it's fine i don't even remember yeah. i don't even remember what the fuck i was going on about uh, I, I, a lot of, a lot of the things with with hogan heroes is that is that you know it, it's it's i know it's that it is the 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 it probably is having real historical context that they saw and or experienced but then they amplify it for that comedic effect or that over-the-top effect and i feel yeah. like it, they may not have ripped com- hogan god damn it hogan you can say it. it's, i know I'm, what you mean you're good it. just fucking say it now, yeah. go yeah. Ho- hogan's heroes i'm gonna laugh now every time i say it now god damn it um hoagies um <laughs> uh going out and and really really like you know they it may be oh, I, I can't anymore god <laughs> it's okay i'm so self-conscious it's funny as fuck i'm sorry brian you're such an asshole but i appreciate I'm that so, so self-conscious to the point where i can't but um okay okay last time and if listen, i drop it it's the sister right, fucking right, yeah, Baltimore accent, you know yeah <laughs> if i drop it again i'll give up just the historical context that they were able to the use and then ample over amplify to make comedic effect. I feel like that Hogan's heroes may not have immediately copied off of this movie or movies like this, but I feel like it caught it. Oh, it they took, did. Well, it, it, I think, I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt that they probably took historical context and all, but took the same route as in over amplifying the characteristics of the culture and, or the, the historical military roles in those camps and making them ridiculous there's my thought process out of my mind yeah i think but i mean they, they okay. literally ripped, they literally ripped off sergeant schultz like that was to be viewed oh, at the beginning as oh, a buffoon oh, yeah. as a buffoon and whatever and but he's so, like, actually who like, the spy in hogan's heroes well sergeant I, I, schultz was playing I, him the whole time i think that hogan's heroes is a result of like this the great escape any movie that was like this you know it's a parody of like those movies combined basically you know like it's a parody of the genre, kind of. I, you know. Yeah, it's like the mash of World War Two. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you you're kind of like you're you're satirizing a bunch like of Von shit. Ryan's Express. It. Yeah. So, oh well, that you know, that like, was a weird one. Um, but all the play with POWs, though, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah. you know it's yeah. it's a par- yeah it's it's got a little bit of Stalag Seventeen in it. It's got a little bit of Great Escape in it. In terms of I'm talking about Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's a it's a parody of all that stuff. But I um yeah in this one though it was just so I just couldn't take it. it Schweinhund well, and stuff here, like that. It's, yeah. But here's the thing too. Like look at it this way. Like at the beginning, the uh, narrator whether he was actually there or not. I know he was in the film, but like um he says yeah. There's been a lot of films that have come out about you know blah de, blah this and that. There's been nothing made about the other experience that guys had, which is in POW camps. Right. That and just, it's like, 
it's factual though. It's like they really hadn't up until that point. That man, that that's true for the time. But it's funny when he said that. I just said in my head, "Oh, wait, wait, just a little while, man. You're gonna get nothing but POW movies for the next fifteen years." <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? We got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like, your yeah, balls I mean, and fucking barbed wire. Right, because you know? it's like like but like like, yeah, like through the fifties, like sixties and seventies, there was just like. World War II movies were either like commando movies or they're POW movies. Yeah. And this one, uh, so as far as all the uh, POW movies that I've seen, and again, this is one of the most popular and I just had not seen it to be honest. Um, This one was not as bad nearly as some of the others that I've seen. They're just like, I I don't know the, I I can't name them either, but this one was not as bad. And, and no, it wasn't because again, you got, you got that last hour of like, Oh, well, now it's it's real right you know and, like and and even, and it's like, okay, even well. the abbott and costello like routine yeah it might get old because like again 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 because i feel like they're just filling in time but you know it wasn't i've i've seen worse i've heard worse i like both those actors but that guy was also yeah. that that character was also losing his fucking mind oh yeah 100 yeah. you know and and like he was literally losing his fucking mind which is understandable and you know he gets he gets no mail and everything like this guy is like gonna fucking pop at any moment, and they didn't want him to. And yeah, so that was one thing I picked up that reminded me of the Great Escape because they dealt with that really well. Because it's yeah. like again, this confinement like you've been here forever, and for those guys that were shot down in the early part of the war or got taken POW, oh in the yeah, part of the war, it's a long haul. And I like the the Scottish uh, gunner from or pilot from um, the Great Escape. Yeah, he was a crewman anymore. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and he just finally like yeah, you know wire jumps happy. up death, to get death killed. by guard or like death by cop. They he becomes it, wire happy. Like, fuck yeah. it, yeah, yep. fuck it. Well, and that, that's where forever. that's where uh you know the Abbott and Costello guy that's like barking at Schultz and shit. Yeah, but here's the thing: is Schultz also well, knows all that of them are, all of them are kind of dealing with with the trauma. Of, yeah, of being confined because even Cookie is just like. This is his way out. He's just gonna work for this guy. Just survive, and, survive. Yep, yeah, survive. everybody's yep. trying to figure out their way through this. That, that this mouse thing, racing, you know? scene, Joey's fucked that up. That mouse racing you know? scene is one hundred percent correct. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And I don't mean that with sarcasm. We should have bet on Shrotopus. One hundred percent correct. Fuck. Like, I, I, I've, I've can't remember what book I read, but I remember people doing that same thing. But they did it with, um, they stole, they somehow they got ducks. Huh. into the thing and the germans didn't care because they were just like <laughs> whatever okay yeah take care of the ducks it just keeps you busy and they would they would tag them and they would race them and they, i i don't remember wow. what book it was god it was it was it was really funny though and they and, this, uh, and then i think i think it was after like i think it was after like a week the germans were like okay you either like toss the ducks out or we're gonna eat them because they're probably fucking yeah, hungry yeah. too uh, oh yeah, well that's the thing is like that the guy that I talked to that was a POW from 43 on, he's like, yeah, the guards were fucking just nothing. Like they were just emaciated and like we were all super hungry. And he's like, we didn't like it, but we understood why. It wasn't like out of spite that they weren't giving us food. It was just out of necessity. Yeah. Like you gotta feed your guards first, and then they got one potato per shack, like it was shown in in this film. And they call it potato soup. And when he was like, oh, there's supposed to be a ham hock in here. And then the one guy was like, yeah, well, and you can send that ham hock to Geneva. Yeah. Because like, it, never. One interesting thing uh, in this, uh, which is also in The Great Escape, is them making uh, moonshine uh, in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that was a real thing that happened. What you is know? this? Yeah, well, you, get, so you get potatoes and enough, 
and enough, you know, nitric acid. acid. Sorry, nitric yeah. acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because no, if if they're gonna make moonshine off of potato peels, you're not gonna get a lot of sugar. It's gonna be really fucking bitter, mm. like like really disgusting. That's how they react in the the confinement. Escape. Fuck it. Yeah. When, when well, no, the Great Escape. They reacted like, "Oh, this is strong." Oh, okay. Because they actually got potatoes. You know, they they somehow smuggled a bunch of potatoes in. These guys did it from potato peels, like they said, and it's like, it you barely get any starch off of there, barely any fermentation. It's mainly going to be like really fucking bitter, watered down alcohol that tastes like potato peels, like shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it. So that's that's why they were reacting that way, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> You know, and I mean, it probably it probably was like even after distillation, it was probably like five percent alcohol, which is like a beer, a normal beer. And but it was like it was gonna taste so bad, but that's all they had, you know. So it's like Jesus, and yeah, it's like and the, yeah, their signaling styles were good. Uh, they had the tunnels and all that shit, which you know you see the in the greatest group too. The prosthetic leg with the smoke bomb in his the smoke. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, that was an elaborate they, thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like they, they took a huge risk. They jumped SS guys, which you know they got punished for. Yeah, you know they did. Like, <laughs> which of course, like, of course, they're wearing like parade black uniforms when they shot. Oh, the that? Yeah. That? Um So okay, well, that, that, with that's that, a good segue, so yeah, because yeah, that that could happen. That could have happened. At that point, because the Algamina were everywhere, but at that point, and we're talking December of '44. In this, uh, it's like Hitler's guards walked out of the fucking. Oh, Reichs talking. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Speaking of Hitler, drove right to the fucking VW camp, picked this guy up personally, was blowing up a with train their Haken Kreutz armbands on. Yeah, so. yeah, Kreutz. Yeah, uh, but like it's it's. Here's the thing: is it's about three percent possible they could have been wearing blacks. Ninety-seven percent they would be wearing grays. So they could like, here's the thing is I've seen pictures late war in guys in Czechoslovakia and whatever of the Agamina SS, like the, the, you know, the real tough guys they were providing security wearing the black uniform. And it's like, what the fuck really? Is this real? They are. However, at that point, but from like early 42 on outside of Germany, yeah, you're going to wear grays and it's, it's not going to be like that. And even 40. The invasion of France, most of the yeah. I, I, I'm being very liberal on that assessment of early '42 outside you of Germany. You were in the Einsatzgruppen in southern Ukraine in 1941. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, but here's the thing too: is like some of the SS were not part of the Einsatzgruppen. They were just they worked with the Gestapo, and they were you know since that was so close to Germany, and it it's it's alluded to that it's in Germany. They that's why I give it a three percent chance, um, but. Yeah, ninety-seven percent chance that they're wearing grays, but and without the armband, none of that shit. So, Great Escape got that right because the SS were gray in that movie. Yeah, correct. One, and yep, the one cool thing they did get really right in this film, though, that I'm not sure if they got right in the Great Escape was so in the early part of the film, the one guy goes to Django's dog tags to let them know the coast yep. is clear. He's got the correct yes. wafer-style POW German dog tag. Yes. And a lot of the guys have them throughout yeah. the film. And again, well, that most was something of them, I was most like, them wow, do. that's fucking cool. Well, when they hang Very it on the Christmas niche. tree, when they hang it on the Christmas yeah. tree, yeah. you could see most of the, most, I think all of them had that, 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 that POW wafer tag. style. Yeah. Yeah. Which were actually issued in like, there's evidence. That's like the POW had, dog tag. And, yep. But yeah, they didn't have that in The Great Escape, which, yeah, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But here's the thing is also- at some 50s. camps, maybe they didn't issue them. So I had to do more research on that. 
no idea. Like, who well, knows? Know yeah. That was definitely a POW thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's cool. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. In yeah. Germany, yeah, that was definitely a thing. And then, yeah, so that was cool. And then um, just the, yeah. I mean, there again, I, I overlooked a lot of the knowing dumb shit in this film. I really did because I was like, okay, it's in the 50s, early 50s, mind you. And the Mein Kampf scene did make me laugh. That was because, because yeah, okay, so shared, thank you for bringing uh, that up. I love that scene. I love that. Scene. <laughs> that I thought that was fun. That kind of shit would have actually fucking happened because I guys are so it. bored yeah. and they're like, okay, they want us to be indoctrinated. They want us to read this horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll show them. And they all put on like a fake. That that kind I of love shit. Schultz's response too. Oh, one fear is enough. <laughs> yeah, and the, he, yeah. he's right. But like, but no, yeah. it's like you know that's the kind of shit that they would do to mock these guys. It's like oh, yeah. you can't really get us in trouble. We're gonna throw us in the hole mm-hmm. for eight days, yeah. all of us. Like, no, you don't have the room. The Betty Grable stuff sucks. Like, if they had more of that character in the early part of the film, I think it would be better. You know, because that guy, or maybe because he's in it for so little, you know, we we like his act better. But, you know, that comedy was much better than the earlier Abbott and Costello routines. See, see and yeah. there's, um, I, I looked it up, Brian. Attack is um, three years later after this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, so the one, the, the bigger, the animal guy in, um, in the Abbott and Costello duo guys, um, he is in a movie called Attack that I like a lot that um, he does kind of do the same thing, but it's not he doesn't have like a duo he, he has like a partner but it's not the same comedic partner like it's it's not the same kind of routine he does like little jokes and one-liners and stuff like that it's the same kind of style um but it's not as i don't know like i didn't hate it it just was over and over again the same kind of like, i, I kind get of slapstick it. Yeah. behavior yep. in this one and that one it's not as slapsticky it's more like one liners like hey you know, like as Mike likes to say, Saj, what about the Reds? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like that. Which, which, by the way, the uh, the guy who delivered all the news literally had your voice there, Mike. Hey. The, the, <laughs> That's how I sound? <laughs> no, you? no, no. Like, when you did the fake, like, commie, hey, Saj, what about the Reds? Like oh, that. that. Yeah, yeah it yeah, literally yeah. was his voice. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying that's <laughs> no, what no, I sound no, like. No, 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 no. I was just going to no. say, that was fine. I'm, 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 I'm about brutal. to click off. I'm, br- I'm brutal, but I'm not that brutal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. That the, when that when that came in, yeah, he's like, yeah. all right, Eddie, yeah. all right. I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> well, that's what they were all saying too. Yeah, like, we like, want the news, but shut the fuck up. Like, fucking yeah, annoying ass voice, God. I, that explains, oh, your, that explains God. your face when I said that. Okay, that makes more sense. Annie. Well, yeah. I was I was thinking like, oh, that sounds like you, Mike. Eh? I'm like Shapiro. Respectfully, respectfully disagree. Yeah, Shapiro. I can't even. Shapiro. I can't even get my fucking voice that high. Like I can't even one do of the that earlier, physically. In one of the early versions of my short World War II film, Dear Rosa, I had a, a mail call scene that was like that, where like a guy got yeah. four bills and it was the same name. But uh, oh yeah, and they're all yeah. from the tax collectors. Again, very yeah. common. But no, Mike, Mike, a, your, your voice does not sound like that. Okay, it's, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will take that. It, it's shrill, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Um, anyway, uh, so do I go to IMFDB? I'm already yeah, on there. There actually is one. Okay. Oh. So whoever wants, to, whoever wants to share their screen. So as always, we're on IMFDB to... Uh, Look at the guns they use in this film, which aren't a lot because it's only one side being armed. Take a look at that German M1919. 
And it was well, nice. It was well, nice. What's funny is they had 42s in the towers. I think yeah, I yeah, was maybe. No, they did. They did. Well, they only one is blank adapted. Probably one. Probably yeah. finally didn't have anything else blank adapted. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they get what, the 1919s. Uh, what I thought was cool though, it's nice to see like a war movie without war, in a way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, for sure. You know, it's not a home front film. I don't know, but it was just, it was nice to see like a World War II film, and it's like, oh, the only shooting is because people are trying to get away from where they should be. You know, yeah. it's not oh like God. I don't care about fishing. Stop. Who's gonna share I'm doing screen? it now, but the fishing the Says fishing the guy keeps that coming. Owns a fucking boat. Yes. And fucking regularly goes out on it. Fish. You just sail. You just drive boats. I just drive, I just Come drive boats. Away. Come sail away. All right. Okay. So. Yeah, the 1919. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. so I have a question for you, Mike B. Why do the helmets look like World War One? Oh, because they're plastic. Fuck. They're they're because they're plastic fucking replicas of the 1916 to 18 Stahlhelm. They use the same ones into Helen back everywhere through attack, the 50s. Attack. They would is use the same those. Thing too. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they shiny. made a lot of wooden field gear back then too. Like copy German field. Right, but this is like, I guarantee you it's plastic or some kind of resin because it's just molded and like whatever. Okay. So, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, like the, the, the 1919s there, but then the 42 is like right there. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dual yeah. wheels. So. Um, oh, the KR98K, very inaccurate. Very so, inaccurate. These uh, guys, guys quick that. question. When was, when was the first manufacturing date? We're not going there again, penis. <laughs> it says 37. We're not. The concept, we're not, 37 nope. concept wasn't spec in the 98. Eight. Hey, we're, <laughs> Brian, well, I'll say Brian, this. Brian, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian, let's agree to just, just disengage no, hey, right now. Hey, Mike, you'll agree with me here. When they uh, splatter the paint on the end of the rifle, I was like, somewhere there's a candy eight that probably still has paint on it. <laughs> right. If you could find it. I was it, like, if you yeah, I know. But I was it, like, yeah. ooh, that's. Some nice candy. It's got so, the, again, it's um, film, but. little, uh, I don't know. This, I don't know if this has, this is relevant or not, but uh, just interesting trivia once. I was researching about uh, um, the actual Stalag that the Great Escape takes place in. Their mm -hmm. watchtowers, they discovered, they did like, you know, archaeological like digs around and stuff like that. And the watchtowers all had uh, MG131s inside them, not like MG34 or 42s. Well, yeah, no. And here's the thing is so what I was going to, what I was going to say, I was kind of being mostly tongue-in-cheek when i said the k98 is not accurate that's not actually totally wrong because they would give that's okay so in sergeant or uh, in hogan's hero sergeant schultz carries a craig jorgensen 1898 right not exactly accurate but if it was a danish craig or a norwegian craig that's not inaccurate at all they did not give a fuck about what their prison guards like prison uh prisoner war camp guards were equipped with as long as they were lethal. They had a couple rounds for them, blah, blah, blah. And so for this guy to have a K98 here, not out of the question by any means, he'd most likely at, at, at the best besides K98 have a G98 or a, a, a Czech VZ24 or a 9822 or uh, something like that. Like it would be a rifle that was made for like rear echelon. He could even have a Steyr M95. You know what I mean? Like they would equip these guards and it's the same with concentration camps. So they treated all these guys, all these guards at kind of the same level of like, you don't matter. We're going to equip you with shit that we captured or we just had that is not going to be beneficial to the front line. Now, 
Could some prison guards have a K98? Yes. Is it likely? No. It's about 70% that they would have something else, 30% they would have a K98 or a frontline weapon like that, right? Um, so, so I'm, I'm sorry, Brian, really quick. That does translate over to the towers as well. So instead of having an MG42 or even a 34, they would have a 131, a, a fucking ZB26, uh, something that was like they captured, uh, you know, or uh, an MG0815 yeah. Polish for that matter. D- Polish WZ30, that was used a lot by the Germans. Yeah. Well, yep. I was just going to say, um, so Mike A knows a lot about this from his research on the Atlantic Wall and fortifications yeah. and stuff, you know. You know, because every single position on Omaha Beach had at least 13 MG42s, you know. And, Don't get me started, and, Brian. <laughs> but, you know, we'll just, yeah, because German fortifications, they they just use shit that they. Yeah, had. it's it's not it's not the state of the art stuff that you would see on the major front lines. And right. Like and that. so, Mike, Mike, think about it this way. So, you, you know, what was on the Atlantic Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, take that back one. Uh, area of importance or, or level of importance. And right. that's those guys are going to be issued mm-hmm. most likely. Yeah. And so you see all this shit on the Atlantic wall. That's like French, Czech, Polish, uh, whatever the fuck they had. Um, and then take that back one step. So these guys are going to have literally like, I, I I've read things. I don't remember. I can't cite the source, whatever, right off the bat, because it's been so many years. There were guys with Mauser 1871 rifles that were guarding prison camps. Yep. You know, uh, in 1888 commission rifles. Like yeah. Those Vietnam war photos where the Navy pilots are getting taken prisoner with the musket. Um, those yeah. Like two Vietnamese women with muskets with like the, the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, ramrods falling out, you know? So, yeah. And it's technology. like, so that's what, from, from my research that that's would have been realistic. Oh yeah. No. And I've seen photos, you know, like along the Atlantic wall where they're like using, you know, there's like a there's like a, a patrol on the beach and like the machine gunner in the squad has like an MG08 you know 15 with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. Really so cool. they used a lot of those in the Battle of Berlin too. Mm-hmm. You can find like a lot of oh, wreckage. Berlin. That's yeah. Oh fuck. They used literally everything that they could get. I know, but it's just funny they come up a lot because they had a special effect and they find like all them in Berlin and like the rubble of the battle. So. Yep. So, all right, Nate, go down. If your candy eight is covered on the end with with uh, you know white paint, it might be used as a prop. Yeah. So we just discussed this. The MG forty two, not likely. Is that a real one? That is a real one. Yeah. Especially at this point in the war, not likely. But also, again, it's like seventy thirty. That would have been going to the Ardennes. Right, yeah, right. Like that. Yeah, that would have been going well, to set this later in the war during the Ardennes. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been going into the Eastern Front or, yeah, the Ardennes and, yeah. Guarding the ammunition train. Luger, that's very realistic. Um, yeah. So. He didn't take it apart and put it back together like in Hearts War. <laughs> right. I've heard about that scene. I've never seen it, though. I hear it's unbelievably stupid. You're. Luckily, you're missing out on it until I make you watch it for one of these. All right. It's not great. It, it's so. so fucking bad. It's. Well, again, luckily you haven't seen it yet until I make you. Yeah. Really I don't know. Yeah. All right. So an MP40, um, not out you of the question. At all. That's more a 50-50 because they were cranking those fucking things out, the 38s and the 40s. Yeah. They were cranking those things out, and maybe they'd have like one or two in the camp. Yeah. Maybe. You'd probably see like, yeah. you know, MP34s and stuff like that. No, no, not even that. Those were always like frontline things, but like. 
it would be very rare to see a forty in a in a camp. Like Michael was saying, one or two at the most. At, at the There's like for the whole camp yeah. and submachine yep. guns. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And thirty fours, those things were used up very early on and issued yeah. out. So or right. the EMP thirty fives. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So yep, we've got that. The Luger. The dog is a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so the German Shepherd, the model nineteen thirty six. That's the, um, no, that's the second variation. Later, thirty nine B. No, that's a thirty six. You know, it's a thirty six. You can tell by the color. We'll have to look under the, the, the left front pod to know for sure because the, the tread pattern changed, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. That's when DRGM got involved with the production. So yeah, so um, yeah, it's a very short IMFTB. Um, I, I really don't have much else to say about this. I mean, it's really a product of its time, but it is interesting because it was, you know. It was made right before, like we were saying earlier, like the Helen Beck came out, and that really started the color era of war films, you know. And I mean, in the the big budget, you know, long arching story. Um, so it it's definitely interesting, and again, it's it's funny because I I've seen this film literally like fifteen times over the years, just because it was on TCM so much as a kid and stuff, and and so the, the big reveal and finding the rat like i don't really remember it because i've just it's just been a wash of, of seeing it and knowing what happens in the film so it was interesting to see you guys say like oh i thought it was somebody else or somebody else or whatever I mean, because the film is just trying to mislead you obviously but yep you know it's um it's interesting it's uh it's definitely a step back from you know the fixed bayonet style of, of, of films that were coming out at the yeah. time and uh, it's interesting that it at least was so popular that um, well, first off, uh, the lead got an Oscar, and second off, you know, Hogan's Heroes just ripped it. Or sorry, Hogan's Heroes ripped it. You know, Hogan's Heroes, and it also yeah. it, it also you know initiated a bunch of POW films after this. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, so it's interesting for, for what it brought about. You know, yeah, and uh, it brought, it's brought at least attention to the fact that yeah, there were POWs in the Second World yeah. War and. Some of them we have never found. Like those yep. two guys that got killed in the film, who found them? Did they keep records? Were the records burned? Were, you know, did the families like ever get notified? Who knows? So, yep. But anyway, yeah. So, do I give uh, closing thoughts and then wrap her up? I, I think that we're at that. Point. I'd be interested to see what the play of this is like because I just reading the the um, backstory to it. It says that the film script was extensively rewritten uh for them for the screen so i'd be interested to see what the play is like it, it's it, it's like springtime for hitler yeah yeah <laughs> springtime for pow i imagine it's a bit more serious i'm just just saying i could imagine that that yeah yeah probably. the humor aspect yeah i bet i know. bet you it's a whole lot more serious a whole lot more death a whole lot more you know grueling camp life a lot less uh abbott costello yeah, eye movements. Wah, wah, wah. Nya, nya, nya. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not a, like a, a player theater person, but I feel like this would convey very well over stage. You know, I yeah. feel like you could really get a lot out of it because it's just the hunt for the rat. You just right. said, wait, did you just say it was made from a play or a thing or a? I missed. Yeah, that. it was based. Yeah. It was based on a play that was written by two guys who were actually in. There you go. You know, That's you go. why yeah. there's over theater acting from the 1950s. That's 100. Yeah. Reason why. Okay, that answers it. So okay. that would be interesting Sorry, to get, I, I like, so get a. Yeah. That would be cool to get a, a modern um, um, stage acting crew that's really good 
together to rehearse this and do this and a good set and everything. It'd be, it'd be very interesting to see that. Yeah, I agree. Cause, I cause, agree cause, 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 cause a lot of people, they try to, especially pushing out movies, they'll take that theatrical play written script and they'll hold the stuff they do and all the overacting and all like the, again, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like that thing where it's like, you know, they can do that and they have to do that in theater, especially in production plays, because that's the whole thing. You have to overemphasize it to sell it on the stage. Whereas if you have a camera in your face, it may not translate as well, you know, doing right. a theater like style acting and multiple takes yeah, like, and yeah, like, multiple yeah, takes like, and, and yeah, especially, yep. and then you have a production guy going more eyes, make the eyes bigger, more, more wide eyes, more, yep. yeah, you know, so, you know, I, I, that, that totally solidifies my, my, my thinking of that is that that's definitely what the culprit is for that. It's it's going to be really interesting to compare this to the Mighty Eighth, that's currently in post production, which is the new HBO or sorry Apple TV um, what, series yeah. made by the, the same people, yeah, who did series, yeah, from uh, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks about the uh, the Eighth Air Force, which is I guess the only Air Force that ever existed in the Second <laughs> yeah. oh, yep. Well, well, dude, but, according you know, to Spielberg and Tom Hanks, the entire war was American, so they, they don't focus on well, anything. Look, look, Brian, yeah. Brian, I Brian, Brian yeah. I, I hate to break it to you, the only armies in all of World War Two is the Five Hundred Six. Oh, sorry, one hundred first, five hundred six, fifth first marine, fifth division. Rangers, first marine division, and mm-hmm. second SS, second dude. SS, and mm-hmm. now the ninety, now the eighth. Did you say the eighth airborne? My eighth, eighth, eighth air, air force. force. Eighth oh. air force. Yeah. Why is my brain mush yeah. today? Uh, and here's the thing: is they, they, they per capita, they did take the most casualties and everything, but there were other parts of the army air corps like other divisions and, and bomber groups and fighter groups that took just a little bit less they just oh, never yeah. got recognition right, for yeah, it yeah. you know and it's like, like the, the 15th never gets talked about and they were in africa and italy and they've right. spitfires for most of the time and there's actually just ended up reading a i've read multiple ones it's not like i'm just biased the last week but i, I read a really good mustang memoir from a guy in the 15th and he talks about how like everybody talks about the eighth everybody talks about the eighth everybody talks about the eighth well, they had one mission where a bunch of eighth pilots ended up landing at their base in Italy. And they were like, wow, they were like, you guys are from the eighth. You're in England. That's amazing. And they ended up going on a fighter sweep like with them. And he was like, and that's when I found out that it was an illusion. That they are actually pretty mediocre pilots at the end of the day. And they lost like a few. Of well, that's because they had so much and, turnover. They had so many new guys constantly. Yeah. And but it was just interesting. Yeah. how It was just like, well, here they are. Let's see how good. They are. Oh, well, they, they really saw because they they're know. new. Yeah. They're all very. New. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah. they're yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny to read that in the book he was like yeah he was like we were pretty comparable fighter pilots so. we'll uh we'll have right. to see uh we'll have to see when the mighty eighth comes out we'll have to see how spielberg and hanks uh low-key make fun of the british in this one i'm looking forward to it um it's gonna be interesting to have another bomber movie i think the best one still is memphis bell yep. the original 40s one or the 80s well one. i I, mean, both I really great. hope they utilize cgi well because we obviously we know there's going to be cgi in it with this kind of yeah, there was that trailer or that fan made trailer that came out a long time ago mm-hmm. that has like super heavy CGI and it looks okay, but it's like, if you, it wasn't real. If whatever, you can or... use CGI well, but like if it, if it all of a sudden it starts turning into midway, then yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not well, gonna or, like it. well, you told me about Flags of Our Fathers, which they heavily use CGI and it's used it's used very well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very surprising. That was 15 years ago. I, so they I, no I have a real quick question, then we'll wrap up. Um, is there any good North Africa? Mon- like like 
like in the last tr- other than other other than first other than Big Red like One movies? like North Africa uh t- the line TV of shows or or anything like that World War Two not that I know of the line of fire what how long ago was that. Uh, 2005, 2006, okay. same time. It's about Italian troops at the Battle of El Alamein. Oh, very, oh. very, 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 very good. Depressing as fuck. We'll get okay. to it. No, okay. Really yeah, I like because because that's that's one. Th- the soundtrack that, is beautiful. That's that's one thing I really would really, really kill for would be like a TV series of North Africa. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. it's a very interesting campaign. You know, my favorite. There's a really good book series uh, called Liberation Series from Richard Atkinson, uh, and it's called An Army of Dawn, or The Army of Dawn, and then The Day of Battle, and then um, The Last Battle, and it's all about, um, or I forget the name of the last book. Anyway, but he the first book's about North Africa, and he does a really good job with like 600 pages, incredibly amazing. He goes through everything, but he talks about one story at the end of the campaign, because it was a multinational campaign. People call it like the um the calm war or like the the not real war because it was the poles were there czechs were there germans were there americans were there free french were there you know so many europeans were there that weren't from africa that you know they really tried to fight differently but anyway so at the end of this campaign they're in this one reporter ends up in a tunisian bar and he walks in and outside there's like this artillery unit that's shooting away the last remnants of germans and in this bar there's frenchmen there's poles there's americans every nationality ever and they're all getting drunk as fuck and whenever they like shoot a candidate, a blast outside, they all go huzzah and all the shit's falling in their beer. And like th- this, the North Africa campaign for me, that's, I just wrap it up in that, that one memory from this correspondent. Like, it's just so insane. It's just so many people that were thrust into it. that didn't want to be there that fought in these incredible conditions. You know, it's just, it's pretty crazy. And it was, and everybody had the ship there. And it was and at the beginning. Just, it was at the beginning too. Oh yeah. You know, it's when we cut our teeth and we fucked up Castrine pass and, there's so much history that's, you know, of our defeats mm-hmm. that you really don't hear about. You know, that's where yep. even the name from my uh, production company comes from, Stuka Time. That was the joke. It was that there was Stuka Time and Spitfire Time. And Stuka Time was basically 22 hours of the day. And Spitfire Time was the two hours that planes were above your head. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's interesting how much of that came into it. The last thing I'll end up with, there was a really funny acronym in the early part of the war for planes because the German Luftwaffe was bombing the shit out of us. And they'd say the recognized planes, you have to look for the the wings, engine, fuselage, and tail. Weft. Well, they shot down so many American planes, the American gunners, that the joke was it actually stands for wrong every fucking time. Because <laughs> you just fucking shoot down everything, you know? So, but yeah, no, it's really worth touching on the North Africa campaign. Ramp yep. over. All right. So who wants to go first? Final thoughts and ratings. Mm, um i guess i'll start it um since i started uh uh yeah like i say um it's just not like personally it's just not my type of thing i get it um i uh i probably wouldn't watch it again though but uh i'm glad i did see it um because i think you know it's important to watch uh film history and all that stuff um just me personally it's not my sort of thing so i would give it probably a three or a four maybe a four out of ten I mean, you didn't like punish it like you did Midway, so. No, it's it's not Midway. Midway, it Midway, 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 you literally punished. So. Yeah, yeah. it deserved it. <laughs> it done wrong by me. It, yeah. it wronged me. <laughs> yeah. Um, give me give me one sec. I'm gonna research something real quick. But Brian, why don't you go? 
So, again, I, like I said, I've seen this movie a billion times. And if I was to rate it without thinking about it, and just, like, from memory, I'd be, like, an 8.5. Like, you know, it's it's pretty good. Watching it, it did lose a bit of its grandeur and everything. I still think it's a good POW story. And, again, you know, it does really take off after the first hour. Um, and the hunt for the rat is very interesting. And there's so many really cool niche POW things in this that I'd, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. You know, there were a few things that they could have definitely changed, but it's just uh, there's really nothing else that gets this many facts about being a, an American POW in a German camp, right? You know, all the stupid shit. And that's just what, what gets me on it. Um, so, Mike B., what do you think? Yeah, agreed. Um, the first hour <clears throat> took a lot of uh, points away from me, but um, yeah, it did make up for it in the second hour where they were, like you said, the hunt for the rat, where it actually gets good. And like people are actually starting to pay attention and not just like, oh, we might have a problem, you know. It's like, okay, no shit, dick lock. But like, um, <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, no, no, like they no. Knew they had I'm a just problem. picturing someone in 1953 going, no shit, dick lock. <laughs> nyah, nyah, nyah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, no, so the actual uh, the details that they got right, the little 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 tiny things. Some of them we talked about, some of them we didn't. Um, and just the fact that you know, I, I get it was written for a you know being performed live bloody blah, blah and all that shit um i'm gonna give it a six out of ten because the the last hour really resurrected that for me um of like how these guys did it so nathan are you okay <laughs> i'm blown away by what i just researched jesus so i was curious i was like how much did this movie cost to make and how much did the game it cost them 1.662 million US dollars to make. Mm. They gained 10 million dollars. Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty good. Nice. That's really good yeah. for oh, yeah. 1953. That's really good. What did, what did the movie cost? 1.6 1. Like, you know, million nickel, to make. Dime? 10 million dollars profit. And if I'm going to hold on. 1953. I purchased an item for twenty. Okay. Uh, uh, oh Jesus fucking uh, Christ! Ten point or ten. Three hours later. This is very. <laughs> this is very important information. Well, um, they gained a hundred and ten million dollars. <laughs> Yeah. In, in today's, today's dollars, dollars. Yeah, so what did it cost in today's yeah, dollars? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good yeah. flick. 11 yeah, and 12 that's million? Super that's, cool. that's a success story yeah. right there. So, yep. And so that means they, they spend like, it, it means they probably spend about 10 million in today's dollars uh, doing that. So, yeah. yeah. So, 10, so, you get it. You get a, so, so yeah. I mean, like, I watched it for free, dude. <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, it, it was it was very interesting. It is very much a product of its time. Again, I pretty much take that as an assumption when it's a 1950s movie. You know, it has a formula that they normally turn out, um, and it's normally pretty much the same. Um, there are other things that, you know, I, I think I had stated last 1950s movies. Like, you know, there are some 1950 movies I love, and there's some 1950 movies I hate. And this one is like maybe like a 70 30 it's 70 percent of it i like 30 percent of it just i didn't hate it it just got old and and again i actually really like one of the actors who's part of the duo that gets old fast so it, it was really hard for me to kind of say that but i i liked a lot of it as a whole um you know the set pieces are good none of the uniforms really stood out for me in the gi i'm not very knowledgeable in the german uh prison uniform 
knowledge so i don't really know that much of that but uh but for the gis and what they would have been like maybe stranded with and had it looked about right and looks really good uh nothing looks crazy the bomber jackets were a little ridiculous at some points because but that's just me but i i know you know they have them because they crash with them so it'd be fine but you know it was it all in all i mean yeah i mean it wasn't horrendous it wasn't bad it wasn't fantastic either so I don't want to. I don't want to say like a five. I don't want to. I, I want to give it more than that. So I'd say it's like a seven. You know, I, I walked away with it with some new. Oh, no, block the mic. I, I like. I like it with some. I came back away with some knowledge. I came on. You know, going well. At least I didn't waste two hours, and it was fun. So I gave it about seven screaming Mel Gibsons out of ten, and yeah, I think it's fairly average for what it is. Putting into my Texas Instruments eighty three. The average is a uh, six out of ten. That sounds so, about right. You know, middle yeah, of the road. That sounds about right. It's you got a rainy day and you want to learn about POW. If stuff you're in a mood and, for a 1950s uh, you know, movie of World War II, it's like the top ten. With yeah, no, no combat. combat, interesting back and forth. I'd say it's probably in the top twenty because there's a million of them. <laughs> so you know, yeah. If you want to watch the yeah, original, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully you can escape from this podcast <laughs> like they escaped at the end. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Hogan. Aren't we done? Hogan. 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 Yeah, I can hear it now. Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.